All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony Marino, happy to be here with you once again, talking everything Buffalo Bills. And yes, it is that quiet time of the offseason. I know I say it each and every week. But with that, sometimes we got to spice things up just a little bit. That's why I wanted to have a very special guest on the podcast with me this week. He is the host of the Buffalo on the Brain podcast with Vince Taylor. Of course, he is Vince Taylor, part of the built-in Buffalo team. And, and Vince, it's a pleasure to uh, to have you on the show this week. Anthony, my man, this is my treat. As you and I were just saying, I love the Buffalo Rumblings crew. Every single one of you guys from top to bottom on your roster has been super cool to me. And I'm a big fan of everything you guys do over there. Well, we're a big fan of everything you do. I've been on the show with you before. Obviously, Bruce Nolan has as well. And, you know, you and I, we were interacting back and forth on Twitter earlier in the week. And certainly it had just been too long since we had uh, since we had caught up. And as it's that slow time in the offseason, figured it would be a good time for us to touch base, right, as you get headed towards training camp and, and looking to the Buffalo Bills, getting things started. It will be here before we know it. Um, I mean, just... How excited are you for training camp, right? When you think of what the 2020 season was and really no real access even for the media during camp, there was so little news coming out about it. I mean, as you get ready for things now, I mean, just what's your level of excitement? I mean, from one to 10, it's like a 12. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that once the preseason actually does get here, it'll go back down to like a three. But I mean, <laughs> I go through this every year, uh, but this year seems a little bit extra long. No, I hear you, right? And when you talk about training camp, even the preseason we were chatting about before, usually it's I get excited for the preseason and then about a quarter in, I'm thinking to myself, why was I excited for this? But you lose those preseason games last season and now here we are. They'll be here before we know it. And and I think most of Bill's Mafia are certainly excited for those preseason football games, albeit just three of them this season to get started. Yeah, um, I I don't know how I feel. I I feel good about the lesser preseason game, but I am... I'm a little stubborn because like you, I got used to the 16-game schedule and now like you can't go 500. Like the stats are going to be counted a little bit differently, like, you know, this extra game in there. So I'll get used to it. But for right now, I'm kind of hanging on to my old manish grudge about it. <laughs> listen, man, that's what we do sometimes, right? But listen, as much as we could talk about our old man grudges, um, there is some actual football I want to get into with you. But before I do that, why don't you make sure all of the listeners know, one, where they can find your show, where they can find you on social media. A lot of times I leave that till the end, but let's do that at the beginning this week just to make sure people are following you and they get the Buffalo on the Brain podcast. Yes, you can find Buffalo on the Brain on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. You can go that by searching anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Built in Buffalo. My show is on on Mondays. However, we have other great content on there as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Podcast Vince. Awesome, man. Well, again, for all of our listeners here today, make sure you are following Vince. Make sure you give the show a listen. Great show each and every week. Um, he's got different guests coming in on the hot seat, and I will be back on the hot seat with Vince soon enough. So that is always a pleasure for me. But Vince, I want to get into the topic at hand this week, really talking about those players for the Buffalo Bills about to enter their third season. Right. And leading into preseason, I thought Bills fans were probably going to have to be a little bit more patient when it comes to that draft class from 2019, specifically at Oliver, Cody Ford, Dawson Knox. 
and Devin Singletary, right? Four guys as they get ready to go into their third season. When you talk about a player making the leap, um, some fans have a little bit more patience with these guys than others. So I thought we could run through them one by one, get an idea where you stand on each, and let's talk about some expectations going into training camp and the 2021 season. So why don't we jump in first when we talk about Ed Oliver, right? The number nine overall pick certainly has flashed at different points in his two you know, two seasons with the Buffalo Bills, playing defensive tackle for the team. Um, I think many fans, right, find themselves still waiting for him to take that next step, right, to be, you know, there are the comparisons early on, right, of saying he could be the next Aaron Donald, which certainly people need to slow down on. But, you know, really being more of that consistent disruptive force along the Bills' defensive line. And I'd love to get your thoughts on Oliver and kind of your expectations for him moving forward. Well, what a great topic you picked because, I mean, the third year is a big year for a lot of these guys. And especially, you know, Ed Oliver, right now, I think most of us would have a little bit of a different opinion if he was picked at 30 versus picked in the top 10. Um, now, I'm not writing Oliver off. It's not completely all his fault. Like last year, he was really playing out of position and he's small. Uh, but I do have. I have high hopes for Oliver. I'm not ready to write Oliver off yet. I still think he's got that in him where he can, uh, you know, take advantage of um, maybe having Star back in his natural role and not having to do everything from that one tech spot. So I'm interested to see how that takes off this year. It is his third year. So we have to wait and see if he can really explode and, and take that next step. Um, like you said, the third year is a big year. So this is going to like, start to define his career now going forward. No more of this wait and see. Well, and it certainly is a big year, right? And you think back to the Thanksgiving gay game against the Dallas Cowboys just two seasons ago. And, and you look back at that and you're thinking to yourself like, good gosh, I mean, this guy certainly has the ability to be that force on the interior defensive line. Now with some of it, right, we can touch base on a star Latulale, the defensive tackles next to him. Obviously, the Bills pass rush from the defensive end position. Um, granted, they've done a good job providing pressure, but not completing, right? Completing those sacks. You know, how much do we look at it and say, like, listen, there's only so much that Oliver can do, but it's the sum of all the parts? Or how much do we look at it and just say, like, listen, it's this guy and it's got to come from him that that three tech defensive tackle is going to make that big impact that can make the defensive ends more effective here? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, this is the year where he he has to show us, like he, like you say, he he's shown flashes and he's been in the backfield. I feel like I I remember a lot of plays where he was in the backfield and just couldn't quite make that play, whether it be tackling the runner for a loss or bringing the quarterback down. But um, you know, always room for improvement. And and this is the year I have high hopes for him. Now, while I think many of the fans right look at Oliver. With that sense of optimism, the second round draft pick for the Bills out of 2019, Cody Ford, um, has definitely been met with more skepticism, right? I heard our buddy Nate Geary talking on the radio this morning about, hey, is there going to be a competition at the left guard position? Like Cody Ford is likely not entrenched there, you know, granted playing primarily right tackle during his rookie year, playing hurt last season, primarily playing at left guard. Was looking at it today. I mean, he only played about 35% of the snaps on the season before he was injured um, and then replaced in the lineup by Ike Butker and Brian Winters and a combination of those guys. 
But it, it seems like fans have less patience with Cody Ford, which I find kind of surprising sometimes because it's not that an offensive guard has a whole lot of statistics tied into his position, right? There's not a whole lot of splash plays that come come with the guard position. Um, but it seems like some fans might be ready to move on from Cody Ford. And, and I personally am a bit surprised by that. Um, I think that's the guy that many fans are the least patient with. But uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts here. Again, the Oklahoma product getting into his third season. Yeah, he's a polarizing one, isn't he? So we draft him spe- specifically to be a tackle, but we don't really want to play him at tackle. And then we bump him into right guard, and he gets hurt. And last year, he actually had a cup of coffee over at left guard. So it's not like he's had, you know, the NFL is so much different than college. It's not like he's had a lot of time to just sit in and learn, uh, you know, one spot. We're kind of bouncing around a little bit. And so that's not completely his fault. On the other hand, he's not played well when he's given the chance and he has been hurt. So I'm of the opinion, and I'm not writing him off whatsoever. I want to give him this season to at least try to get on the field in one spot. But uh, if he if he can't do it, he feels like he could be next year's force lamp to me. Like he'll catch on with some other team because he was a second-round pick, an oft-injured second-round guard. Uh, that just – it feels like – that is the fork in his career is right now in this third year. Well, and it's always, it's always curious to me again, when we talk about offensive linemen, because you know, while we can, we can look at certain things. It's just like there, there is so much that that takes place along that offensive line. And I'm not going to pretend to be a guru when it comes to the position or the expectations or what players are doing there. I, I think everyone will agree. They'd like to see him take that step forward. Um, but again, it's it's just it's been very interesting to me that it seems like since his rookie year that he was in the platoon at right tackle with Ty and Secchi, um, that there has been a little bit of that lack of patience. And I'm just I'm really curious to see. I used the word polarizing before, which again, I think when you you know you go to social media or in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com, that is certainly a great way to describe it. Um, I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic maybe than others are. When it comes to Ford, I mean, would you find yourself on that optimistic side or the pessimistic side of of that uh, argument? Well, I'm I'm more on the optimistic side, but I have tempered expectations. Is that a thing? Can I be more measured sure, like that? That's all but, right. uh, you can ride yeah. that fence if you want. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, he was a second round pick. He was a tackle, right? So and it's not. I don't want to say like he's completely devoid of the uh, of ability. Uh, being hurt certainly doesn't help you to get reps and, and especially last year with not having a, a preseason for him to, to lean on a little bit and, and kind of catch some reps there. But uh, I I'm not writing him off by any means. Like I want to give him the year and see where we land at maybe this time next year. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child 
didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now, another polarizing figure for Bills fans is running back Devin Singletary. And real interesting there, right? Singletary comes on the scene as a rookie, clearly the more dynamic back between himself and Frank Gore. Uh, Gore ends up leaving the Bills via free agency. He was just on that one-year contract. Uh, The Bills have Singletary again, who rushed for over five yards per carry as a rookie, showed some promise. Uh, But the Bills draft Zach Moss in round three. And I think when you look back to the the 2020 season, neither one of those guys really got their their footing as a, a lead back, right? Certainly showed some some good things, some uh, some ability. Um, I thought the second half of the season, once John Feliciano was back in the starting lineup, things certainly seemed to be much improved than they were before that. But then you even take yourself to the 2021 offseason. The Bills end up signing Matt Breda. Um, myself, right, was all aboard the Travis Etienne train if that was something that the team was going to do. Um, and it seems like Singletary has been that odd man out just a little bit of like, yeah, you know, he doesn't have the speed factor. He's not, he's not big enough. He's not physical enough. But he certainly does good things as a player when he has the ball in his hands. He has improved uh, as a pass protector for quarterback Josh Allen. And uh, but Devin Singletary is one of those guys that certainly, especially when you talk about the running backs don't matter crew, and I know that's more of a fantasy football side of things. But here he comes into his third season. You clearly have Zach Moss on the roster again. You bring in the speed back in Matt Breda. To me, Singletary might be the most polarizing figure on the roster because of it's a high profile type of position and you invested another third round pick in Zach Moss. I mean, where do you find yourself when it comes to this? Because this is clearly a big year for him, but based on, you know, where the roster looks like the bills are going to need Devin Singletary to be successful. Yeah, I, I'm firmly in team Singletary. I've always have been, and maybe people don't agree with me when I say this, but I feel like Singletary is a poor man's Barry Sanders. And we all know that he doesn't have the top end speed, but you can't tackle that guy in a phone booth. And uh, it seems like he gets in these situations and he is always able to get out of them and get a few extra yards. Plus, I don't think Singletary gets enough credit for how tough he can run. Now, I'm not going to compare him to Derrick Henry or anything like that, but for as small as he is, he falls forward a lot. He's he's a fine running back. Of course, he's got things to work on. We'd love to see him develop a screen game with him, but I am firmly on the Singletary train. I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. Last year, the entire running game wasn't good, not just specific to Singletary, but Mosser, the entire running game was bad, and the run blocking was bad. So if we can get a little bit more up front, I'm hoping that Singletary can get back to that 2019 form. There's no reason for him to have uh, this big of a fall off, I think, just in ability like that that quickly. So if you were designating a, even a 1A and a 1B, is Singletary your choice above Zach Moss? Or do you look at them as, hey, it's a complimentary set and you know, I'm on board with both of these guys? Uh, I, I don't have as high opinion of Moss. He, he just... 
I, I kept waiting for a signature run and I don't remember ever seeing one last year. Like he was fine. He was just, he was a guy. And some of the excuses that I'm using for Singletary also apply to Moss as well. So I got to be fair there, but I think they're complimentary pieces. I kind of feel like they want to maybe use Singletary as more of a Darren Sproles type. And that's not a complete apples to apples comparison, but sort of like uh, maybe a scat back type of while they want Moss to take the tough carries is what it feels like to me. That's what I guess I'm predicting to happen. No, and I think that's a good example, right? Because at least for those listeners, and as you said, it's it's not like he's the same player that a Darren Sproles is, but when you think back to those Philadelphia Eagles teams and the important piece of the offense that he was really catching many passes out of the backfield, how important a player like that was. So while it might not be within that same mold, I think as soon as you brought that up, right, it, it popped to mind and I knew exactly what you were talking about there. So I certainly I certainly see that. I think for myself sometimes, and maybe I'm just a little bit more old school, like you, you, I feel the need to see that lead back. Like I'd like to see someone separate themselves from the other and be that clear running back one and the other one be a clear running back two, right? And whether that's, uh, again, you see Moss is is more of that guy on the early downs and, you know, Singletary is your third down back. And, or maybe if it's in a situation where you're playing from behind and, you know, and you're certainly going to be passing more, but it is going to be an interesting season for both of them. But I think more of the heat is on Singletary because he is going into year three uh, again. And you think of the other pieces that are that are there. I mean, of course, we'll never know if the Bills were actually in on Travis Etienne or if that was more of a smokescreen. It seems like we used to be talking about that each and every day. And <laughs> even while I say I'm not going to bring it up again, somehow I managed to work it into this podcast that we're recording on July 15th. So I, I feel like you're hurt. Me. <laughs> you know what? It just it was it was always one of those fun conversations. I think you know you'd have certain guys and and different side of the equation. Of course. Uh, you know, you mentioned Nate Geary from WGR 550 AM, Marcel Luis Jacques from ESPN, clearly riding the train, right, for Travis Etienne. You'd have a Bruce Nolan who was, you do not take a running back in the first round type camp and many others. And it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun discussion for, you know, a time leading up to the draft. But we'll never really know unless, uh, you know, once he retires, Brandon Bean writes the uh, tell-all book with all of his secrets and smoke screens that he went through from his uh, his time with the Bills. But I was a little—I was on Bruce's side on that argument, but I wasn't without. I mean, can you imagine what our offense would look like if we had a guy like Saquon Barkley? Like, I didn't want to completely discount that argument either, but I understand Bruce's points very well about drafting for value, and I was leaning that way. No, and I get it too, right? I mean, you get it, and then you look back, you think of all the hot takes you would have had leading up to the draft. The Bills take Gregory Rousseau, who early on in the process, Bills fans were all over. He runs a 4-6-something at his pro day. All of a sudden, people are poo-pooing it. Then they draft him. Everybody loves him again, and I just can't wait to see the guy in the field. But anyway, I digress because there's one more player we've got to talk about um, that kind of falls into this discussion, and you know, not to blame Brandon Bean for this, but right at his year-end press conference, he said the team needed to get more out of the tight end position. Um, certainly, we have seen Dawson Knox putting in the time this offseason, working with different specialists at tight end university with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Um, but there has just been this cloud hanging over the tight end position with the Bills and what they might look to do with Dawson Knox certainly being at the center 
of that conversation, whether it's, you know, is the team going to make a trade for a Zach Ertz, even going back to the 2020 season where they were in the mix to get someone like Greg Olson. You know, here the team is right now. Dawson Knox looking clearly entrenched as the starter, unless that Ertz trade, which has been rumored for the past three months, it seems like on a weekly basis, comes about. Um, you know, but Dawson Knox, I mean, here here he is coming into year three. Certainly a fantastic athlete, but is this the season where it, it really all starts to come together for him? Well, I feel like I ha- you have to qualify this anytime you talk about Dawson Knox, because if you're critical, critical, people think you're hating on him. And that's not the case. I'm rooting for Dawson Knox. He was drafted on all this potential and being the super athletic tight end. And, uh, you know, of course, it hasn't been as smooth as transition as we want. Uh, he's had trouble blocking. We know about his iffy hands. And then all of a sudden he makes an amazing catch in the end zone that you didn't think he should make. I'm I'm not against having Knox on the roster. I would have maybe liked to see him be the second tight end. You know, um, maybe Tyler Croft could have started a little bit more last year. That would have made more sense to me. Maybe this year that player's uh, Jacob Hollister until Knox takes that step, but going to tight end university, maybe working out with guys like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. I'm hoping he can pick something up. Like I would love it if he becomes that tight end. We have never really had one. Um, our best tight end, I think in the bills history is maybe Pete Metzlars, or if you want to go all the way back to the sixties. Um, but we've never had our own Kelsey our own Tony Gonzalez, our own Darren Waller. Um, I'm hoping he can develop into that guy. Well, and it's so interesting too, right? So for me, and not to make this about fantasy football, but like I'm always a fan of the the tight end position, right? I always want to make sure I have one of those marquee guys. Back in the day, everyone would have me pegged like, we know you're taking Tony Gonzalez in the second round, or we know you're taking Antonio Gates, you know, even up until recent years where it's like, Travis Kelsey, I'm going to do everything I can to get him. And you bring in someone like Knox who has all of the ability and all of the tools, Right. But he doesn't have the experience, which certainly, I mean, we know he was a quarterback in high school at Ole Miss. I mean, basically just what that was happening with their passing game. I have no idea how they were not successful with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf and Dawson Knox on the roster. But that's a podcast for another day. But, you know, you you I look at the rapport that he has with Allen and I hear an interview when Lee Smith was on with Tim Graham and friends on his podcast saying that he has all the abilities, all of the tools, like just wait, it is going to happen. You hear George Kittle talking after tight end university about, about Knox having the entire package. It's like, I don't want to be the perpetual optimist of like, if this happens and if it all clicks, but it's like, there's no reason that it shouldn't click, right? When you look at all of these things, these things on paper. And certainly last year, um, you know, he had COVID-19. He battled some hamstring injuries. I mean, some of those pieces that were in place too, that kept him off the field. um, I mean, this is a guy, I mean, maybe you could say the same thing about Oliver, but if like, if it clicks for Knox, like if he truly takes that third year step, you could see a guy, of course, I'm not saying in the same, you know, the the same category as someone like a, a Travis Kelsey, but you know, to have that ability to to catch 50 to 60 balls, to be in the neighborhood of 700 to 750 yards receiving, you know, to continue to be that red zone threat. Like I am rooting for Dawson Knox and it's, you know, maybe I'm just rooting for it because if it happens, you start to think more and more 
how unstoppable the offense can be, but I certainly find myself in that camp. And, and that's a guy I'm just, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, Cause maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic than I should be here, Vince. Well, there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I share your optimism too. Like just, can you imagine what this offense would look like if Dawson Knox became Darren Waller or, you know, I mean like that's just another guy the defense has to worry about. And right now I think they could just be like, yeah, Dawson Knox is over there. Don't worry. He's going to drop it. I mean, that's a little harsh, but you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it would be great if he could put that together. And I like that he's, he's doing all the extra things. He's going to tight end university. I heard he was seeing like a, a hand-eye coordination specialist or something. So um, man, I hope he does put together and the blocking too. So it's not just receiving it's, he's got some issues to work on as on his blocking. No, absolutely. And again, when you talk about these four guys, it does become an exciting piece because I think many fans and, and we're all guilty of it. Yeah, you know, you didn't have that marquee free agent signing, but you did bring back, you know, for the most part, your key contributors from the 2020 season. And so, yeah, you can talk about and say, yeah, some of these guys, they might be in the downward point of their career. But you look at these four where the arrow is pointing up, right? And if it's, hey, if they just take a a small step, that's one thing, but we're all for, I think, have shown the flashes that if they can add some of that consistency, take a little bit of that bigger step. Um, these could be four integral pieces for the Bills when you talk about a team looking to make a run towards the Super Bowl. So I'm excited to see what can happen with Vince. Honestly, it's like, again, we, we talk about these four. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Why don't you tell everyone again where they can find your podcast, where they can find you on social media, just in case they missed it earlier in the show. Well, thank you, Anthony, first of all, for having me on. You can find my show, Buffalo on the Brain, on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. You can just search Built in Buffalo wherever you get your podcast. I come out on Mondays. There's also lots of other great content on there as well. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter, at Podcast Vince. All right, man. Make sure you check out Vince on social media. Check out his show. And of course, Log on to buffalorumblings.com each and every day. You know we've got you covered. And hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, so you can get all of our great shows here at buffalorumblings.com. It's time for me to get out of here now, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills.